right, so for this episode of the Flying Line podcast, we have a very special guest with us, um, someone who's now been a part of FC Cincinnati, not only as a player, but also as a coach, uh, the man who was in goal for their first MLS victory over the Columbus crew. He's now the academy goalkeeper coach, uh, Mr. Bobby Edwards. Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So, so Bobby, just to, to run people through, you know, where you've been, what you've done, um, started your, your kind of career, if you will, um, New York Red Bulls, uh, under 23s. Um, then you went to, uh, SC United Bantams, uh, USL two, for those who don't know. Um, and then you took the trip across the pond, um, went to Ireland, uh, played for, uh, Porter down FC, um, then came back to the States, played for FC Cincinnati there, and then finished your career off, um, with Indy 11. So, if you kind of just want to run down, um, once again, I kind of highlighted it there a little bit of the area, but um, where you're from, how'd you get into soccer? And then, you know, we can ask questions from there. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I originally hailed from New Jersey. I was born and raised there, but I often say I just bounced around so many different places like kind of touched on. Um, but yeah, so, so again, kind of um, first real step into some sort of high level, I'd say would be New York Rebels 23s, which is a part of that USL2 league back in the day called PDL, uh, which is a good exposure. Um, but kind of the really where it took off was at SCN Bantams down in South Carolina. Um, I was in my fifth year of college in the summer season. Um, so lived down there, um, did, did well, had a good season, uh, got noticed. And then the way it worked out just timing wise was that was when the season was starting overseas. So Headed over to Northern Ireland for my first professional contract. Um, played for Portadown FC, whom I love. I, I credit a lot of kind of where I was able to make it to, to the club. Um, so lived over there for a year. Um, ended up winning the second division. It was a tremendous experience. I love it there. Um, it, was, it was a great place. But from there, it just kind of took off. Um, had got turned. And, and luckily enough, I got the opportunity with Cincy. Um, so moved back here. 2020 um and there was a covid year so it was kind of crazy um and it was the second year in mls as a whole um so we're still kind of figuring some things out really kind of um learning about how the league works getting kind of comfortable with the identity and it was rough at first but you could tell even in that year while there was probably some struggles on the field um they were growing pains and you can see kind of what it's grown into and being a part of that in that in that year you knew that the club was something special right the fan base everything about it um and it wasn't a matter of if but more when so i think the when is really starting to kind of creep about um but yeah after i finished up as a player in um cincy moved out to indy and that's kind of where i finished up my career and then got into coaching but that's kind of been the journey summed up and you can see why i say from new jersey but i've kind of been everywhere were you always a goalkeeper growing up or did you play in the field as well? Yeah, I was always a goalkeeper, you know, maybe when I was really young, had a couple uh, little stints up top and whatnot, but I always knew goalkeeper was going to be the position I wanted to play. I actually come from a family of goalkeepers. So both my father and my uncle, and then most notably, probably my cousin, my cousin was my, my soccer idol as a kid. He played at Wake Forest, won the national championship in 07 and coincidentally had a pro career, but now is the, Charlotte FC's two, the Crown Legacy's goalkeeper coach. So we actually catch up a fair amount whenever he's in town. Um, but yeah, it was always kind of goalkeeper, just kind of in, in our blood, I guess. Yeah. So fr from that, you know, having been a goalkeeper for so long, um, so far in your mind, what has kind of been that best part of, you know, playing professionally? Obviously, you got the opportunity 
you know, the first time, first professional in contract in Ireland, how is that different than, you know, when you became a professional in the States? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, probably the best thing about being a professional is just living out the dream, right? I mean, you get to play soccer for a living, you wake up, you go to the thing you love and you get paid for it. I mean, that's kind of what everybody wishes. So I, I, I loved it from, from start to finish. Um, the biggest difference, it, it's so strange and it, it's a great question because I think the sport has come a really long way in the States and you can see the strides it's making. Um, and I will definitely say in terms of just probably a money and overall quality, Northern Ireland's a little smaller, but you can really in those kind of um, the clubs, it's a community-based thing, right? Uh, and not to say since he isn't, but it's all very much Porter Donathy is a smaller compared to a Cincinnati and you can kind of feel it. So walking down the streets, um you it's everything is about football everything's about you know the sport that they love and so you kind of get that close-knit feeling um and you definitely have that here but it's definitely a bit more americanized i want to say um which isn't a bad thing it's just the way that sports are um but you can see i think since he's a bit different than most major sports markets at least fcc, FCC is because it's taken such uh, a hold on the city you know it is very similar to how it is in europe um you will be noticed if you play on FCC and you walk down a street of downtown Cincy. You're going to be um, picked apart. And it's not like that in a lot of major cities. So it is kind of cool to see the differences, but also the comparisons to to the club here and how it is overseas. Yeah, I guess that would kind of lead into my question. I know you touched on, you know, coming to play for us in 2020, especially during kind of like a COVID year like that. Could you tell that we had a great fan base, even though maybe you didn't get to see as many of the fans as you wanted during that time, but um, you could probably sense it. I, I would imagine the presence and just like oh, yeah. everything around the city. For sure. Yeah. And it was so weird because obviously it was, it was the prime COVID time. So everything got shut down. So when you say connection, like there, there was no physical going into spaces and seeing people, but you could have very immensely feel all the love. So I, I made a lot of strong connections with the people in the city, which was such an exciting thing to move back to because I already had these connections that I'd made with people. Um, but yeah. And, and I think that ultimately the first two years uh, in the league were difficult for the club for sure, but it's almost a testament to the fan base because I went through it as a player. It never felt like the fans had turned on us. They still had love for us, um, even though the performances weren't what they deserved on the field um, and they stuck by. And so to me, that almost validates more of what you are getting now because it is a genuine love for the club, right? I mean, they, they did, since he didn't just come into the league and were unbelievable from day one, they had to go through it. You have to endure that. Um, so you can really see it and, and it's more rewarding now too, especially with the, the, the friendships I made with, with all the people and since he, to get that reward for them, it, it's meaningful. Yeah. So talking about more of the, the friendships and things, um, that you've done off the pitch, obviously we want to touch on, you know, the, the Cordray family, uh, of Cincinnati that you have been really impactful from, uh, the start really, um, if you want to talk about kind of a little bit more about um, Nick's story, um, I know you've touched on it a, probably a dozen times, but um, for those who haven't heard, kind of talk about his story a little bit and how much, you know, that meant to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And, it, you know, Nick's story is one of the most important to me. So anytime I get to kind of share it, it's, it's one that I love. Uh, Nick was a rising sophomore at, at Taylor High School, local in the Cincy area. And also a goalkeeper, but unfortunately, 2020 passed away from a brain aneurysm. Um, but Nick was a very special kid um, and very unique, but he was also an organ donor. Um, and so his donations went to save the lives of five others and help heal over 75 other people. 
um, and while tragic is a good example of the beauty of life um, and that Nick is still very much with us. Um, but I became very close with the Cordray family in 2020, um, sharing the bond of playing goalkeeper and and to, to get to know the family, they've become very close friends with me. And so you can see like the bracelets I wear on my wrist, I have a pair of Nick's gloves literally on my desk. Um, it's a part of who I am and I try to live. Uh, I think that one of the things that most linked me with the story and getting to know Nick and his family um, is that probably as the life professional soccer player is unbelievable. It's very much uh, a constant battle of highs and lows and that that's your only personality and your only identity. And so in that year, it was very much of, yeah, this might be the peak of where I am, but also what else am I? Am I just somebody that plays a sport for a living? Is that the biggest thing that matters? And so I think that you know, getting to hear that story was a time for me very beneficial just as a, a person who's growing um, because then I became very closely linked with Donate Life. So I've done a lot of volunteer work with them. And it's a, it's a, a passion project that I, I always try and take part of. And so um, I love them. They are unbelievable people, the most beautiful people and wonderful people I can ever express. I'm so grateful for them. They've come out to Indy when I was still playing to support me. Um, and I'm still in touch with them today. So to be back in the city, it's awesome. So they are something that, that matter a lot to me. That sounds like super special and that like bond that you developed with them too. Um, like you said, like it goes outside of football or soccer. Um, and I think I, I feel like the club's done a really good job at that overall in general and just reaching out to the community. Like you mentioned, whether, you know, it be with what you've done, um, but even, you know, different outreach types of events um, and things like that. I, I think that that is pretty cool. Like you said, it goes outside of sports, um, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. They're fantastic. Sam, do you have another question for Bobby that you can think of right now. I think my next thing I'd kind of want to go into is really your transition from a player into a coach now, um, you know, after being with Indy and then kind of your now transition, you've had a little bit of time, it seems like to kind of get integrated into that. So what are your initial thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I love it here. It's, it's been awesome. Um, so, you know, I think that from I'll touch on uh, FCC's academy as a whole, I, I very often compare both the academy and the second team to just being maybe a year or two behind what the first team is. And so the academy was started a bit later um, and it was only first founded as a U15 and a U17 academy. Um, since then, we've expanded to U13, U14, 15, 17s, and 19s. So we've got five different teams um, and we've really started to take off. So we've added wonderful people. Our staff are unbelievably uh, talented coaches, professionals in their field. We have player care specialists. Um, and I think that you're really starting to see it take off. Uh, most notably, most recent, our, our most recent event with the U17 team, um, we defeated the likes of LA Galaxy 1-0 um, with a clean sheet and net, which we're, we're very thankful for. But um, <laughs> So it's really starting to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with other top-tier academies and then starting to produce players into the first team on a more regular basis. And um, I think it's an exciting time, um, but that's also a top-down philosophy, right? So we are very much integrated with the first-team ideals. We know the first-team staff, they're great people, um, and we all work in the same building so that everybody is is on the same page, right? So what what I'm doing for my goal-through training sessions are meant to be a pathway to the second, to the first team, and so all of this follows that, that same um, but no, I mean, it, it's been fantastic to kind of settle into Cincinnati. I, I know the city obviously well, but I love the club. So it's been an enjoyable experience so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. 
So with with this transition into into coaching, obviously now being with FC Cincinnati, and this being yes. what probably second second coaching role, will we say officially? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. So on that, is there something where it's like, all right, this second time coaching, ha- have you taken anything from the first, you know, perspective, I guess, experiences, and you've learned from it, and you go, okay, now with the FC Academy, I can implement, you know, different things. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And so I think that you know when I first started kind of getting into coaching, I knew it was something I always wanted to do after my career, and I was very fortunate um, in Indy to get such um, a reputable role right away off the bat. And so to work with high-level goalkeepers there, um, and to get a lot of experience, whether it was at Sigility, whether it was at Indy, whether it was at Marion University, um, essentially it's the same idea as a player. I was getting reps in coaching, and so you get to learn a lot. Um, and then obviously moving into here, um, settled in, it, it's also, you know, I speak about it, this top-down philosophy. I'm very fortunate, and it was a big part of me wanting to come back, was Paul Rogers, the first team goalkeeper coach, and Ryan Coulter, the second team goalkeeper coach, are very hands-on with everything involving the academy and very much inclusive of me. So getting me out involved in the first team sessions when, when they need reps, second team sessions, um, it's a goalkeeping department. Um, and so they're also unbelievable people to learn from. Um, and so myself, I'm in an environment where I'm constantly learning. Um, and that was such a big part of why I wanted to get into coaching a bit earlier than kind of hang the boots up probably earlier than I could have. I could have probably played a little bit longer, but I knew that I wanted to just kind of get a head start on this so I could become a better coach. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's become a really exciting environment to work in. And, and I think you see with Rome on the first team, um, just kind of the expertise that Paul himself has and that Ryan has. Um, so it, as a coach, from my own selfish perspective, I'm in a great environment to kind of learn and develop. Yeah, it seems like there's really good people around the club from, like you said, top to bottom. Um, and then kind of translating that to, um, you know, you guys ran like this goalkeeper combine and kind of like a coaching clinic recently too. Um, was that local kids as well or was that pretty regional or national as well? So for the actual goalkeepers that were in attendance for the combine, um, that's uh, an effort that we put all fall. So we were scouting um, essentially all of college soccer and then not just picking the guys that on paper were supposed to be the best goalkeepers, the ones that we sat out and watched and thought, yeah, you know what, this is a goalkeeper that we, we think that we'd be interested in. And so we, we invite a fair amount of them at about 26 altogether. Um <laughs> Hunter Morse, uh, who's on the second team now, he was actually a goalkeeper that we brought into the combine two years ago um, from Western Michigan. We liked him um, and, and he was signed to a second team contract. But more importantly than that, it's also to kind of spread the awareness of what a professional environment looks like to, to these guys, because all of them are talented goalkeepers. They'll go on and have really good careers. Um, but for them to learn about what is expected, how professional environment works, and then to just ask questions, right? So there was a bunch of nights where we would just sit with the guys one-on-one. They could come up one after another and ask questions about whatever they wanted. Um, because for us, it's also about teaching them and kind of letting them see into what the pro game is because all of them have pro ambition. Um, the coaching clinic was open and free for any coach in the area. Um, and we had, luckily had a fair amount. And so I think that's something that was the first year we had integrated the two, uh, the coaching clinic and the the combine. And it worked really well. So we we're really fortunate. One of the things we also want to kind of get to do is is um, expand in, in the area in terms of getting the ideas and philosophy and help other coaches, right? So 
Uh, it's very easy for me, for somebody that worked with Paul and Ryan every day to develop, right, that's great. But what about the other coaches in the area, right? Because if we're talking about developing goalkeepers in the area that are going to be really, really good, it's not just us three and we're going to make it. So helping other coaches, whether it's middle school, high school, club, whatever level, um, that was a really uh, great experience for, for that as well. Something we're looking forward to doing more in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I, I always think like when I saw the combine, I thought that was extremely cool. Um, and the fact that you you say that you guys are so meticulous about we're not just looking at, you know, other lists of like, OK, these players are supposed to be the best ones. Let's just invite, you know, the best ones. But the fact that you guys went out of your way to actually go ahead and, you know, what, we're going to do it our way, um, bring in the right guys that we actually want to bring in the building. Um, I, I think that speaks volumes about, you know, just the process. Yeah. And if, I mean, meticulous is a great word. And, and one of the things I've learned very quickly about Paul, and it's why you can see the levels that the goalkeepers have hit, he is meticulous. Um, and to kind of learn that obsession with being meticulous and how fine-tuned the details, um, one of the biggest adjustments for me was I thought that I was meticulous in the way that I coach or I saw the game. Um, but Paul just helps you see how much of a level the professional environment, the professional eye sees. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's a great coach and obviously to see like Celentano get on the U S national team call up, you know, for this past camp too. I'm sure that's pretty awesome to have that, you know, as a part of the organization. Um, one question I had for you actually was, do you have a favorite like moment playing for FC Cincinnati or even just in general in your professional career? Yeah, I mean, definitely for FCC, probably be the crew game. Um, you know, I think that was pretty cool. Um, but all in all, I mean, it, it was a great year. Um, I enjoyed every moment of it. So if I'm going to pick one, it would probably be that one. From a from a coaching standpoint, I probably enjoyed it more just because it's definitely a bit more of, um, I don't know, I pour my heart and soul into this job. And I think that all the goalkeepers can kind of see that, that I work with because – Again, I am obsessive in the nature of what I do. And so I spend, you know, my entire life thinking about what I can do to help these guys kick on and to really have pro careers. Um, and, and in terms of the transition from going from playing to coaching, it was almost a little easy for me because I think I was already ready to kind of get into coaching, but I was obsessive as a player with prehab, rehab, my the, the grind of that. And so the day I retired, I essentially just took all of that that I used to kind of shit on myself and put it into coaching. Um, and so I've kept all the games, uh, parts of the game that I love and to be involved in the sport more than I probably ever was. Um, but then also give my body a break and, and kind of focus it onto these different efforts. Yeah. Yeah. So the off the field stuff, um, giving your body a break, making sure that you enjoy the moments, you know, around the game as much as in the game. Um, do we have any favorite spots around Cincinnati? I know, OTR has now become the place <laughs> that it is, right? Um, obviously, the Skyline Chili Talk is going to be up there as well. Um, but even like near the training ground, um, just run me through, you know, some of the favorite spots right now. Well, the Oakley area is really nice. Um, that's kind of where I'm based out of. Um, and, and I'd probably say Milford downtown is, is really nice. Um, mm -hmm. So... Uh, all those spots to eat are, are great. There's little Miami. Um, and so it, it's a good area as well because the academy staff are also super tight knit. So going out to, to get a bite to eat or to, to kind of get breakfast before we have to go out to the fields for, for a weekend game, um, it's it's pretty easy because those areas are really cool. Um, but definitely it's, 
I mean, obviously downtown of the stadium is, is, is cool. Um, but I'd probably pick those couple just because that's mostly what my life is, is Milford and then the Oakley area because it's where I live. Um, and then downtown for the, for obviously the games. Yeah. I'm sure it's kind of cool to see, you know, now that you're back with the club too, to see like how it's transformed. You know, we always talk about Sam and I, like, it's incredible how we've started, you know, playing at Nipper and now we have this beautiful stadium, this beautiful facility to practice in. I mean, for you, I'm sure it's kind of cool to see that transition. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And the coolest thing too, is that it, it's not quite done, you know? So um, again, when I say that the Academy and the second team, maybe just one or two years behind what the first team is now, um, those are obviously on the plans. And so you, you see that from top down that, there is more plans to expand, to improve, and to constantly. There's no sense of the club of, all right, we've done this. Let's just, you know, take our foot off the gas and enjoy the view. Um, and so the ambition is super high um, from from the owners, from the president to the GM to, to the head coaches. Um, it, it's one that you're excited about what's even more to come. Um, and I think that the academy, not just, you know, removing my bias as much as I can, I think is a really <laughs> good example of that because you're really starting to see guys that come in at 13s and are now in with the second team, breaking into the first team. Um, so that's that's a really cool part of it. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so with with everything um, going on, is there any, you know, obviously having having this platform to, to talk to you is awesome and to be able to just pick your brain on certain things. Um, is there anything that, you know, you want to talk about specifically and anybody you want to shout out? Um, if, if you want to, or, or talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the four that come to mind that I, I really do want to kind of pay attention to, cause I mentioned Paul and I mentioned Ryan would be the first team goalkeepers. So Rome, Alec, Paul and Ev um, are unbelievable. Uh, they are four of the greatest guys, just genuinely great pros, great people from the day I came out to the first ever first team goalkeeper training when I got here. Um, made me feel super included. I obviously know Evan pretty well because we grew up together in Jersey. Um, but guys like Alec, um, I often feel like Alec doesn't get the credit he deserves because um, he is probably one of the biggest helpers of Rome um, in terms of the way that he has mentored him. Um, Alec is on and off the field, a class act. The amount of times he comes out to academy training sessions to work with the guys along with Rome, they've all been out. So um, it, each of them offer their own unique piece and are willing to go above and beyond to help me. And I never ask them to come out. They're always asking when they could come out and just um, work with the kids because they enjoy it, right? So those four in particular make my job so awesome because obviously our academy kids are buzzing off of it whenever <laughs> they come out and they come out all the time. Um, all of them, whenever they get some gloves that they're just like had enough of, they give them to me so I can give them to the kids. Um, so those four in particular are, are fantastic. Um, and I think that they are really genuinely a good example of what a goalkeeper union looks like. Yeah. We've heard so much about that. I think we interviewed Eric Dick in the summer, Sam. And mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like there's this goalkeeper union and especially like you're saying now between first team and even the Academy, I mean, to have that continuity and to have, you know, those guys to show that they care, um, is probably really important for those kids that are coming up, like you said, and just seeing that they have a future and kind of the right way to do it, which is, which is awesome. I really think that's cool. Yeah. And I, and I mean, they, they can kind of see it. So obviously I played with Bex, Beckham Sunderland, our first um, Academy homegrown goalkeeper. And now 
big Paulie Walters is, um, is, is with the team. And so you can really start to see with these guys, like there is this pathway. And so for the Academy kids that are, you know, it's definitely tougher to be an Academy player than it is a pro. Like, it, you know, you're going outside first thing guys are down in Florida, you're at a 7 PM Milford training session when it's like 20 degrees outside. Um, it's tough, right? But that grind is, is, rewarding because you see what is in store for you if you can follow the path right so um again all the credit goes to like the first team guys because they feed that goalkeeper union and idea down to them it's very hard for me as a coach just to be like hey look guys you should do this but when you can actually talk and see the guys and they come out and are invested it just motivates the kids like you wouldn't believe yeah without a doubt i mean it seems like Beckham Sunderland has been there for a while. I feel like he was one of, he was like our very first, I think, homegrown signing. If I, if I recall, it feels like, you know, he's been putting in the work, like you said, and to see kind of the progressions of these, you know, Academy guys to, to show them like, Hey, you know, he's, he's been here for a while. Look where he is. And then so on, you can show examples of these guys. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, and they're getting to see it. And I think that adding FCC two, you know, obviously it was a, a MLS league wide thing. Um, that second team is been a great addition because it's opening up the opportunity for Academy guys who are close, but not quite ready to be there just from a physical standpoint. So even if you look back to Roman before he was in the starting role, he was playing FCC two games. Right. And so as a goalkeeper, to have that kind of incubator, I'd say, um, to get games and to continue to push along development um, has been massive. So um, a lot of Academy guys will train and be around that FCC2 team, which is such a massive piece of the puzzle that I felt was missing when it was just first team Academy, right? Because that gap is massive. So it's almost that little in-between to help that last little step uh, and then progress on. Very cool. Well, good luck in your season uh, this year. Um, do you guys start a little bit later than the first team does then, or is the schedule pretty similar? So it's it's pretty similar. I mean, honestly, like we're, we're almost year round, so we had a month break. Um, and so we've already kind of started back up. We've been in for about two weeks. Um, 13, 14 start a little bit later just because they're a bit younger. Um, but we have some last couple I don't want to even say preseason because again, it's just one big long season with the month break <laughs> in between. Um, we got one last run out of the legs uh, this weekend. And then we just kind of get right back into it. We got big events like the GA cup, um, MLS next flex, all these we'll be traveling a whole lot. So uh, we're looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a good year. Yeah. Well, like Ryan said, you know, we wish you the best of luck and, you know, thank you again for hopping on Bobby. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks Bobby. Have a good one. Me too. So Agility is a technology-driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be Tech Touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch, the TSZ, uh, which is the ESA equipment and working on decision-making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools. Uh, working on processing things a little bit faster, hand-eye coordination and such. Uh, we offer skills classes, which is your typical coverage skills training. Um, lots of people still enjoy that, so we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, 
really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flying Line Podcast. Uh, we want to say thanks again to Bobby Edwards for spending his Sunday night with us, chatting a little bit about FCC um, and his time playing for the team, as well as his time now with the Academy. Sam, I, I thought it was a pretty awesome interview, just hearing from him some of the cool things he has to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bobby, good friend of mine. So I'm glad we could get him on the podcast. And like you had said, just listen to his insight obviously you know with his oppor his opportunities that he's had as a player and as a coach now um he brings an interesting perspective to you know fcc land and um, the soccer community as a whole so great to get him on the podcast yeah I, I think having the perspective of being a player and now a coach to kind of see the transition like i said i, I thought it was fascinating like we've had a couple people now that have you know been players now are involved in the team you know, off the top of my head, Jimmy McLaughlin, Omar Cummings, I think Corbin Bone now is working, you know, with the community a little bit. So just to see, you know, him and I think Austin Berry now with the team as a strength and conditioning coach. So it's awesome that we're retaining our own. You know, I think that's really special. And he can kind of like, as he mentioned, you know, touch on the fact that like everyone is so integrated with each other. And it seems like from top to bottom, that's the biggest thing that I took away from it. I don't know about you, but like, how much, you know, the first team guys are really role models for the academy players and they really spend their time to coach them or to give them little, you know, tricks of the trade that they've kind of learned over time, um, which I would imagine might be a little bit different here than other clubs. Um, maybe it's that way, but it seems like they spend a lot of time together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the cohesion that there is within the facility, right? Um, I, I just think it's second to none. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to be biased on that, but um, from every encounter that we've come across, it's just world-class, right? So yeah. um, other than that, we've, we've got news, baby. We've <laughs> got news. We've got rumors. We've Lots got to talk about. Yeah, it was an exciting week. Um, again, just it seems like every day there's new things that come up. And honestly, it's kind of fun because there is stretches where like, you don't have anything. And then all of a sudden you have multiple rumors and multiple exits, entrances, like a lot is going on at the same time. So it's good for us. We get to tweet out a lot. We get to, you know, share a lot of content, you know, with you, everyone, you know, again, thanks for listening. But one of the ones that, uh, you know, pretty cool that we had kind of first reported on Sam Saturday morning, um, first reported in the SEC circles, um, you know, we actually just found it online first, I think, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, Pavel uh, Bucha uh, coming from um, his team over in the Czech first division. Um, so FC Victoria Pleasant, he's in that first division over there. He's a midfielder. Um, this guy is 25 years old. He's got 17 appearances and five goals with this team just in this year. Um, but overall, you know, in the last couple of years with this team, 163 caps, 27 goals, 21 assists, Sam, um, seems to be this box to box midfielder that we've been looking for. Um, everything that I was looking at at first, you know, you kind of have to sift through a lot of the rumors and see what's real and what's not, but um, seemed to be something that was trending in that direction and then gets confirmed by, you know, Pat, um, Tom Bogert, you know, eventually too, but pretty cool to see. I'm excited about him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And two things that we've kind of mentioned, um, you know, in prior podcasts, especially about, you know, a guy like Corey Baird bringing him in. But it seems like uh, Bucha is a winner, right? So Mm -hmm. he won the league title um, for his club in 21-22 season. And then he also has Champions League experience, right? So he has five games against the likes of Bayern, Barcelona, um, Inter Milan. So he's got experience under his belt at you know the young age of 25, 25 right so yeah. he he's younger than you know moreno younger get than the guys that we have in our midfield obviously um starting wise but I, I think to your point this is a guy that can play any spot within that midfield you know whether it be up top um dropping down as a six he could play you know just as an all-out midfielder um really whatever you need for the team i think the versatility is huge um He's kind of like a Kubo in a type of you can plug him in in different spots. You know, we had a lot of questions on our initial tweet on, is this a Mourinho replacement? Like technically, probably yes, but even in some degree, Sam, a better attacking, you know, uh, number eight as well. You know, Mourinho had a little bit more defensive role um, where he would occupy a lot of the same space as Obi, but you know, you see this guy, as long as he can integrate well, you know, with the other midfielders, I think that's the, the biggest thing to say. But assuming that he can, um, seems to be kind of that missing link between Lucho and between the forwards that maybe were, you know, missing in some degree last year uh, or the last two years, even to be honest with you. Kubo kind of filled a little bit more of that role. He could dribble, take on some players, and create a little bit more at that eight position. Um, so, I'm sure, you know, working together, hopefully they'll, you know, really get this chemistry down, you know, sooner than later. But um, I, I want to shout out Junior again. You know, Junior Mourinho had such good chemistry with Lucho, had a really good understanding with Obi at positioning. So we're really excited about this new guy coming in. Um, it just might take a little bit of time, but the promise is there. And I think that's the exciting part. Yeah, once again, I mean, we do want to touch on that this has been confirmed by the likes of Pat Brennan, by the likes of guys like Tom Bogart as well. Um, so it's confirmed, not announced, but... Um, He's finalizing good, it. Yeah, good chances that it's being finalized. I yeah. think they had said that he was on a plane to the U.S. to get his physical and everything done. Um, so probably at some point this week, it will be announced. And to be honest with you too, I mean, looking, you know, honestly, just at his contract, it's up in June. I think that's one of the initial things that I noticed Um, in a player that his contract's going to be up soon. You don't want to overspend for him and 1.75 million, maybe in some aspects can be considered like an overspend, but he's got experience at 25 years old. And, you know, to be honest with you, fills that role maybe perfectly. If he can give us three, four or five years in that position, then look what that could turn out to be, you know? So maybe we spend a little bit more now. Maybe it kind of, it it seems honestly like it'll take a similar, you know, cap hit to what Kellen Acosta would have been. Um, Maybe isn't as familiar with the MLS, but honestly, you know, again, I'm very excited about him. If FIFA was the ultimate on, you know, how this player will perform, uh, he's a 74 overall in FIFA, right? And has a potential up to 78. Um, like Sam mentioned, you know, he's mainly a number eight, meaning he can go from offense to defense and kind of play all throughout the middle part of the the field, um, but has filled in roles, you know, in attacking mid where maybe we need a replacement for Lucho in some games or, you know, fills in out wide if we go to a four diamond system where we have a little bit more outside midfielders. Maybe he can push a little bit more on the flank as well. Um, 
So I, I, I'm just really excited about his potential. Um, it'll probably take a little bit of time to integrate, like we said, but it's exciting. Hey, I mean, if you, you know ball, you know ball. So <laughs> that's that's the only thing that matters. But that's to, right. to, to your credit about kind of touch, touching on, you know, the FIFA stats, I want to give a little bit of my stats of my own, right? Um, you know, with him coming in and being a midfielder, um, he's got 85% pa pass accuracy. So um, obviously staying consistent within the midfield um, seems to be a good guy on the ball, good progressor of the ball. And then just as, as a, a player, he's better when he's on the field, when he's on your team, he's better on the field. He's got a plus minus of plus 17 so far this campaign. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, I think that's the second highest of his career right now. Um, mm -hmm. First being when they won the league. So obviously he showed out that year. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a, an incredible addition to your point. He may, you know, be a little bit as far as, you know, price wise, but I, I think it doesn't matter to me about the price too much because you're getting champions league experience. You're getting a guy at 25 years old on that amount of money, which if I'm being honest, any any European club could have probably grabbed him for maybe you know higher um, if they really wanted to. Yeah, great point because um, he had Bundesliga interest. You know, one of the Czech reporters actually confirmed that there was some interest from you know Germany as well. So maybe there is some other teams that were interested, and that's what drove some of the price up a little bit in some aspects. But um, it, it is kind of amazing that that's the first report that you see, and then within the same day it's like reported as being finalized potentially so uh, we don't see that too much at least in this offseason you know we at least had some build up and some other rumors you know speaking on another one um you know that potentially may happen here soon um as fc has kind of offered uh, you know a contract to this guy luca uh, orlano um who is actually a 23 year old right winger from vasco da gama in brazil he previously played for uh, Velez down in Argentina as the same club, Sam, that um, we got Barrial from. So yep. there might be some familiarity there. And they've potentially been tracking him for a little while. It looks like Lucho and Barrial follow him on Instagram. Um, and actually, Kenny Arena does too. I thought that was kind of interesting. So something to, maybe to be said about that um, and the validity of this. But right winger, Sam, that's the initial thing that I see. You know, this is been a rumor for the past like week week and a half and you kind of go back you look at this guy you look at his traits and everything and where he's best positioned what what kind of stands out for you uh and his potential yeah obviously looking at you know him in the winger position the the thought immediately com comes to your head is you know is he just going to replace barrial or you know how is pat even going to use this guy and the first thing that came to my head was I would pay close attention to see how Pat uses Lucho, Bupenza, even Baird up top. Do we have Boop become, you know, a false nine? Um, do we have Boop play on the wing? Do we have Baird as a false nine and have uh, Orlano on the left or on the right? You know what I mean? Like mixing yep. it up on, uh, up top because, I, you know, we had touched on last season. We saw a lot more of it where Lucho was playing out wide, where he would take himself out of the middle so that way it would open up a lot more space for him to create um, from you know, the sideline to be able to work in rather than work in and work out. Um, so I, I think with this signing, you can make it to whatever you want, which is really interesting um, and can kind of not you know disrupt or anything, but definitely give this FC kind of like a, a new look, new culture type atmosphere.
if it's going to go that way, you know, maybe they do that until they get a, a main striker who's yeah. more of a yeah, hold yeah. up similar, you know, type player to Vasquez, but you might be right. I mean, they might have to adapt for a little while. Um, I think originally my first thought is, you know, he slides into Barrial's spot, but easier said than done. I mean, it look how, I wouldn't say long necessarily it took Barrial to acquaint. I mean, it's really only been like a year and a half that he really got really good at what he was doing. But um, for this guy, he seems even more attack-minded than even Barrial was. I mean, he's got 92 appearances at right wing, um, 10 appearances at left wing. He actually, Sam, has one appearance at left back, actually, coming, uh, yeah, a few years ago. So maybe there is some potential in that. I think he's left-footed, very skillful dribbler with, um, I think pretty high pace. Um, he had like a 90 pace on his FIFA card actually too. Again, you know, everything is based off FIFA, right? Um, I do. Yeah. I, I do want to touch on that skillfulness. Um, in the, he's, he's actually in the 95th percentile in successful take on. So yeah. the guy knows how to win those one V one chances against defenders. Yeah. I think that's important, especially at that position. Um, if we're going to have somebody to, potentially fill those big shoes um or you know big thighs as, as we might refer to Barial um and to really create good chemistry i think another argentinian player fits the mold sam you know him and lucho are going to be buds probably if this happens um well so yeah i mean i wanted to touch on just the argentinian connection earlier you know the past couple of weeks as well, we were also connected to another Argentinian mm-hmm. um, in Francisco Gonzalez uh, from Newell's old boys. Right. So looking at him as an option as well, another winger, right. So two Argentinian wingers that FC right. has seemingly been linked to um, whether that is to replace Barrial or once again, to kind of reset the formation into to something that we haven't seen before from Pat. Um, he is a cheaper option than Orlano. Um, mm-hmm. so that is something to to watch as well. Right. We haven't seen anything on him since then. It was more of just like kind of similar to our uh, our striker that we were looking at, just just looking, right? Right. Lucifer. Yes. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I think the big thing comes the money with Orlano. I mean, you were right. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but Looks like uh, everything is leading towards a, a hefty transfer fee potentially. Um, you know, would that qualify him as a DP is the big question. And, you know, is it a loan with a, a purchase to buy later potentially is is the question based on the current restraints of the roster. And if it does fit that mold, well, Chris has good flexibility then. You use this guy for a year, you see how he is, or maybe it's six months, but you see can he play in that position? Can he work out in that way? And if not, you know, maybe you move him to a different one if you want to buy him, or do you just say, Hey, this isn't what we're looking for, but the loan option, I think we've seen, you know, shout out from, uh, you know, this past year, things seem to, to work out well, um, you know, with mascara and, you know, him going to via real, right, Sam, I believe yeah. in, in Spain now. So, He's making a huge move, a, a huge leap um, in some aspects from MOS over to potentially starting for a Villarreal team, kind of fighting for relegation in their Spanish league. So um, the loan aspect could be a good option. Um, it, it's kind of interesting to see, though, and uh, the value-wise, um, how that's going to work out. 
Yeah, I like the loan option more for Arlano than I do for anybody that we've talked about rumors wise, just because of the the hefty transfer fee, as well as, you know, this guy just needs playing time. Mm -hmm. His playing time's gone down ever since he went to Brazil. Right. Um, so him just kind of getting back into things could be a good look for him at FC Cincinnati. Um, but at the same time, what's best for his career? Is it mm -hmm. better for him to become a left wing back or to continue um, and move forward as a, a left, you know, forward, right forward, um, et cetera? I think that's a conversation that he has with the coaching staff at FC if they are interested. Right. Um, just to see, hey, how would you use me? You know, right. if I were to come on a loan spell, et cetera, how would you use me? I just don't, it, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around a guy that, hasn't really played in that position other than like one appearance from what we're seeing in that spot to fill in big shoes at, at left wing back, you know, a guy that was um, arguably best 11 and an all-star actually this year in MLS. So um, do we find somebody in the meantime that can mentor him into that spot? I mean, that's the hard thing. Barrial was kind of just put into that area and learned on the fly. And we, we did well with that, you know, and he really learned, but um, is it going to be the same with this guy? It's yet to be seen. And I'm sure conversations have been had if that's a possibility or not. But um, speaking on Barrial, Sam, you tweeted out today, just rumors flying everywhere from every league, you know, in Europe, it seems like um, Bournemouth interested, you know, in, in the Premier League, uh, potentially uh, a couple teams in Italy. You know, there's rumors that he's getting his passport, you know, in Italy now, too. Um we see his post since the last time we recorded an episode that, you know, he was going on a plane. We're like, man, he's coming back. He's coming to training. You know, um, he was wearing shorts though, Sam. I don't think that was happening. It looked like he was going somewhere warmer than here. Um, but yeah, you tweeted it out. You kind of hit it, you know, right on the nail there. Um, it, it just seems like him, especially it, there's maybe a creation of this interest to drive up um, teams to maybe that, lock yeah. him in. I, yeah, I would imagine, I, is that what you got out of that? I mean, yeah, I've seen the price go up. That's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Is rumor after rumor, the price like went up because it went from, it seems like RC Lens is now out of the picture because the right. price has gone up, right? Well, so we wanted more out of him, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the teams that are now, you know, supposedly interested that are coming from the Bundesliga, possibly Premier League, Italy, you know, it seems like it's going to be more around the eight, eight and a half mil instead of sure. what it seemed like RC Lens wanted, which was like three, four. Um, so yeah. oh, it, it's been interesting to see the rumors fly in. Obviously, the rumors have been way worse as far as like where they're coming from than Vasquez or even Brenner. It, this is just it's a spectacle FC hasn't really seen before, um, which I, I think based off of the tweet that I put out today, a lot of FC fans are kind of getting tired of this whole thing and kind of just wanted to see him go, um, which is sad. unfortunate. Yeah. It's very sad to hear, but that's the, I think that's just the state of the process. It's not necessarily, you know, you're upset with Barrial. It's more like, Hey, I can't, I can't, you know, we, we love this guy as a player so much that, you know, if we're going to see him go, just like, just go, you know, just cut it off nice and smooth don't drag it on on us and see like, oh, Sam, is this like your your clinger ex-girlfriend? Not yours, but I'm saying like, you know, in general, like this, the stage five clinger that just won't go away. You know, like we, well, we just want to your... move on. We just want to <laughs> new people. But to your to your point, though, like 
I think you had said previously, you know, we do have a deadline, right? Or he does have a deadline to get yeah. to training, right? Because you had mentioned him coming back to training. So I think yeah. in FC fans' minds, they're like, well, like, is he going to come back before then? Or, you know, what's what's going to happen? Like, we want to know before then. Yeah. So that way we're not, you know, hoping that, oh, like, he's going to be a, a part of the first team and it's going to look great and we're going to win another, you know, supporter shoot. Like, just... Sam, you know what I'm thinking right now? It's kind of, it's, it's pretty funny. I'm, you saw me chuckling over here is, you know, Valentine's is coming up. We don't want our heart oh, broken right before oh, Valentine's. <laughs> There'll be a lot of young ladies around Cincinnati that, you know, tough breakup with Barry. They're going to be, they're going to be missing those thighs in the summer, man. Oh, so. oh geez. Oh. <laughs> Let's get it over with before, uh, before Valentine's comes around. But um, yeah, in all seriousness, you're right. I mean, Laura Failer uh, reported and said, you know, the club's kind of put a deadline on it. Um, you know, if nothing's done by January 31st, the European market ends that day. So we expect you to be back in training. And if it's not going to work out, then, you know, maybe in the summer, most likely in the summer, but do we get another full year out of Barial? I don't know. That's the biggest thing that's shaky right now. And extra time, um, the podcast, I guess, the MLS-based one, that discusses um, a lot of different teams, but seems recently to touch on FC being a little shaky, let's just say, because of the situation. And it's they're, they're right in some ways of like, we don't really know what's going on there, but I trust Albright, you know, really at this point. He's really shown that like, if we're seeing these things that are clear as day, and this has been for a while that this is coming, you know, so he's got plans, he's got options um, that I'm sure they're looking at. Now, maybe it's not the first, the second options that we, you know, had referred to in the last podcast, Palacios, you know, definitely was up there, you know, Kai Wagner, another one that was probably very high up there on their, on their want list, but um, they have CD plans that I'm sure, you know, Chris Albright's C or D plan is, you know, some other GM around the league's A plan. So um, I, I'm trusting in them to fill that position. I just am cautiously optimistic about some of the rumors and especially this Orlando guy to fill that role right away doesn't seem to be as realistic. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. But going off of um, things that aren't rumors, um fcc heads to florida here in a little bit um and it seems like the roster's kind of taking shape more and more um but as you had mentioned we still have just the big hole on the left wing back side and the right wing right back, wing back. yeah um i'm still completely not sold on the striker slash forward position so um that's kind of my hole that we need to fill and you're you've got kind of the defense on the back so i'm glad we're we're evening out the the two holes that we need to fill but the the first guy that we need to talk about though um when it comes to that is neither of those positions is actually moreno right <laughs> so is he in or is he out right yeah another another player that you see a rumor sam you actually had you were on it i mean you were you're right there on it and this rumor seemed to be like picking up some steam, but I, I just don't see Junior Mourinho making a move to the Indian soccer league. <laughs> like maybe if he gets the right amount of money, but um, he, he's, I think 29, almost 30, you know, a little bit later on is in his career, but he's had good MLS experience. He's done pretty decent here. I don't know why he would go over there. I don't know where that's coming from, but um, 
I, I think if they can swing bringing him back in, like I mentioned on the last podcast, he's still invested in this club in some ways. I can kind of see that he's still liking things. He's still got good relations with a lot of players. If we can come to an agreement with him in a reasonable price, maybe he doesn't even have a team closer to the start of the year. You know, can we bring him in on a cheaper contract? I think he is a very good piece that imagine him coming in off the bench is kind of what I'm getting at. Or in, you know, we're in four different competitions. Maybe he plays more in Champions League, um, you know, or in more of a League's Cup type situation or, you know, Kubo filling in. I like the depth there. I like the experience in that position. It would be incredible to still have him. I just don't know how realistic that is at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that with the possible confirmed signing of Pavel, it kind of looks like FCC holds all the cards for Moreno, right? right. Um, they've shown him that he is indeed replaceable. Um, but if he were to come back, the midfield depth for FC Cincinnati would be insane, to your point, mm -hmm. um, with young talents like Pinto and Gulo right behind a squad of Kubo, Acosta, Pavel, and you throw Moreno in there, like that's that's very solid as far as to your point with all the competitions too when when we get unhealthy right as we did kind of you know in middle of last year midfield was kind of shaky even at the right. beginning it was a little shaky having angulo start a lot more games than you probably would have liked to start out does that you know really impact us but it all comes down to the signing how much for you know how long well, and Sam, my next question to you would be then, you know, what does this do to the mind of, you know, young Marco Angulo? You know, you bring this guy in at three, three and a half million dollars last year and arguably is one of the ones that you'd say Chris Albright, you know, is this a is this a miss, you know, on his side of things? But he's young. He came from, you know, an, an Ecuadorian team that maybe wasn't as comparable to MLS. So he's going to take some time to get acquainted Um I, I hate a lasting image of, you know, at the very end of the season, he's the sub that comes in against the crew and we get scored on. Um, but again, it's his first year in the league and he can only build on this. Um, I, I just wonder what that does for his confidence when you bring in another 25 year old in his position. Um, so again, the way that I I've mentioned this before earlier in the month is the way the team at this moment is set up is better fit for more midfielders than, you know, having a, another center back. Um, so that, that might be something to, to look at. I don't know if it has any legs to that or not, but, you know, look at, like we mentioned, the depth that we have in those spots and the opportunities for young players to get time there. You're missing big holes in, you know, right, right wing back, I guess, and, and left wing back. So, at least the current way it's set up, that's where I see our strength in some ways. I mean, would you agree with that? Center back has now been solidified. Striker is, like you said, a little bit up in there, but midfield seems to be a little bit more solidified than than before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to my point earlier, of you've got the left, right backs, and I'm I'm kind of emphasizing that striker forward position. And, you know, once again, we're not really talking too much about midfield and, and center backs because I, I feel like we have those covered. We, I, I do. With the signing of Pavel or even if, you know, Moreno does – like I, I just feel like we have that locked down because I feel that strongly about Kubo as well as, you know, a guy that can be slotted in. I, I There's one thing that I, I just want to put out there that it would be incredible if we see this happen. I, I'm thinking of Bayern Munich, Sam, and Philip Lahm is one of the great right backs we've seen – 
yeah. in the history, you know, of soccer. And he, I believe had started, you know, as a more of a center defensive mid type player and they converted him um, to a, a right, a right back. Right. Do you see the club moving Kubo or Pinto potentially to a right back spot? And of the two, I think Pinto is the more trainable one because he's younger and he can learn in that position. But there's a thought there. I mean, if, if the roles are kind of, you know, being locked up and these guys are looking for time, you know, playing time, I would look at, you know, Pinto saying, Hey coach, I'm willing to play wherever, put me at right back. I'm willing to learn. I'm, I'm willing to, and, we, and we've seen good discipline from him. So that's something that I'd be intrigued about. I'd almost trust Halsey more than I would having to recreate the wheel with Pinto though. That's true. So to your point, if, if they were, you know, just as like, a depth piece um, Pinto trains with, you know, the right backs, left backs does a little bit more of that stuff. Then I'd feel a little bit more comfortable, but not, you know, right out of the gate. He, he has the spot over Halsey because no, no way in heck am I doing that. But yeah. um, to, to touch on, you know, one of our other right backs who's still kind of up in the air with Arias, is this, mm-hmm. is this legit him possibly going to Brazil? I mean, I saw the rumors out there. Um, but wasn't wasn't too sure on it. Yeah, it to me it seems like uh, Brazil might be a good spot for him. A little bit closer to home um, would potentially make a little bit more money. Um, more, I want to say like scouts from maybe the Colombian national team that could be around to see him and say, hey, you know, is he a legit option at right back for us for Copa America? You know, this coming summer. So. Um, there, there seems to be some interest in that, but I still wouldn't give up that he, you know, couldn't come back. I, I think there might be uh, a market for, you know, hey, we're at the very end of this transfer cycle and RS is still a free agent again. You know, let's try to bring him back if we can. And we would love to have him back. We've said this all along, but um, I think he's going to try to get more money if he can first and then use us almost like a backup if if that is still I don't know. We'll see. Apparently the, you know, relationship between him and the club or maybe the agent in the club has been a little bit messy, but um, it's Chris Albright. Again, like we go back to the, the common denominator is this guy seems to be legit and how he manages these things um, and negotiations. Yeah. My, my thought process is obviously I'm talking about the rumor from, from him to, to go to Bahia um, club in Brazil, but it seems like to me, this may be all smoke um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Once again, just another kind of one of those things where it's like, how can we generate, you know, some interest to show FC that he could possibly leave and that he's not, you know, FC is not their only, his only option. Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing there. But um, we had another guy move on officially um, in Dominic. Bot- it's official, but then there's a secondary report from Laurel Failer that says it's not finalized. So. The club okay. in Turkey yeah. reported on this. This is a second league team in Turkey that reported and said, welcome Don Baji. But then you get, uh, I think it was about an hour after a tweet or two that was like, this isn't finished yet. So I don't really know where we stand. We haven't really gotten any update on that, to be honest with you. Um, it seemed like it was trending that way, but is there a hold up in you know, the amount of money that he's going to be compensated? I'm not really sure, but the Corey Baird signing and then opening up a potential for another big signing in the summer for a striker seems to be what we're trending towards right now. Um, It's hard for me 
to see us bringing Don Baji back at this point. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it just seems that way. No, yeah, I said it last podcast, and you know, I'll, I'll say it. I just didn't see it as a move that we would make. Um, you know, he he did have some highlights for us during the year, and it was nice to see him kind of rejuvenate his career. Um, him going to Turkey, especially the the second league in Turkey, is a little interesting move in my opinion. If this were to be confirmed, and you know, were to go through, um, but once again, it's a new experience for him in a new country, right? Because he's yeah. only. He's only ever played in the MLS. So, um, yeah. Sam, I wanted, you know, you to actually, you were the one that actually saw this rumor. So I want you to go ahead and give us this last guy that there was uh, some interest about another midfielder, which, so this comes out right after we sign or finalize the signing for Pavel. So I don't know if there's much to this or not, but um, is it Yegson Mendez? Yeah. Is yeah, that what you so, think uh, we're going to go with? So, well, so I, I saw the rumor, right? Obviously, once again, just a rumor. Um, always fun to to retweet and talk about. Um, but I, I, I did think it was interesting from the perspective that you dive deep into it. And Jackson Mendez has stints with Orlando City and with LAFC. He was actually on the LAFC team that won MLS Cup. So he's got experience in the MLS and wants to come back seemingly. Um, and it, it's one of those things where if we were to sign or if he were to sign with FC, there's no, no chance that Moreno is coming back then <laughs> that that's solidified if, you know, that becomes a thing. Sure. Um, but the other thing too, that I was looking in with him is he just never has seemed to be a consistent piece of a team as well since joining the MLS, mm-hmm. um, seems to be a little bit more of a rotation guy. So, um, just looking at the games that he's played, I don't think he's gone above 20 games in a season, right? So you're looking, like I said, more at, at a rotation guy. And then to your point earlier, he's an Ecuadorian national team guy. I think he's got over 30 caps for the national team. So how does that affect a guy like Angulo when you're signing a guy from his country in the same position? Like, what does that tell you if you're Angulo? Is that like, oh, okay, I see how it is. I think this one was to again drive up interest um he's at sao paulo in brazil didn't seem to be playing as many minutes so was interested in going back to the mls um i think that cf montreal was the other team that was interested that seems to be more of a realistic landing spot for him um yeah you're, you're right i mean the places he's been he hasn't really had too many games um or he has not let's just say created a good opportunity for himself moving forward um I mean, Sao Paulo is a pretty good team in Brazil, usually, um, but it just doesn't seem like he's fitting in to that squad in in the current way it is right now. Um, I found it interesting, though, you mentioned LAFC. You know, he has a connection with Kenny Arena then, um, with Kenny being in LA uh, as the assistant coach before. So, you know, between having another Ecuadorian midfielder and an assistant coach, there's some familiarity. So I I don't think that it's completely, like, off of – you know, are out of left field, let's just say, you know, maybe they reached out about him before they reached out about Pavel and, you know, Hey, we have some interest in this guy. We have some familiarity. All right. Let's see if there's any smoke with this. Well, somebody finds out, Hey, you know, FC reached out about this player. Does that mean that we're going to sign him? You know, maybe we just have an interest (laughs) at some point. It's just funny. You're like you said, I mean, this whole off season, it's just been tracing some of these rumors and seeing if there's any, um, 
any legs to it, like we've said. But, um, you know, kind of rounding out this this podcast, um, really looking at the roster, Sam, I did a breakdown. You know, the, the big holes we have right now um, are at the wingbacks, like we mentioned. But in the center and with some of the guys that we're going to get coming back to Florida here, um, we had our, our U.S. men's national team trio that played – um, on Saturday against Slovenia, it was not a good result for the U.S. We lost 1-0. Miles Robinson was the captain of the U.S. team, though, and played all 90 minutes. Um, really cool to see FC Cincinnati have a player again on the U.S. team, but even to be captain of this team, even if it isn't an A-squad type team, you know, like I mentioned to you before, he has captain capabilities or captain qualities. Um it, it, it was really cool to see. I'm sad, you know, we didn't get to see Salantano get any minutes. We didn't get to see Murphy, but he's training with those guys and they're getting looks. Um, so that is, that's pretty special. Oh yeah. You saw Twitter go up in flames after that first goal got it into the back of the net and <laughs> FC fans were letting the U S men's national team Twitter know about it. Um, cause oh, I about saw- Schulte giving up the goal. Yes, I saw so many tweets like, oh, well, Roman would have stopped that or Roman would have saved that. And I thought that was that was fantastic. Um, But yeah, to to your credit, I I think it's it's super cool to see, you know, guys from FC Cincinnati on the U.S. men's national team on a consistent basis. I think, you know, I could really get used to that. Right. Just seeing them, um, you know, with. Uh, I guess representing our country, right, Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing for me. Um, And then I get to, you know, watch them at a club level too is is pretty cool. It almost seems like at every position, if we kind of walk through it, that there's been some interest for every player for their national team. You know, Pupenza, like Gabon. Baird has a couple caps with the U.S. Lucho, like, is the only one, and he's the MVP of the league, and he hasn't, but it's Argentina, you know? Maybe he gets a U.S. citizenship soon, but Barial probably soon with Argentina. You know, um, Bucha or the the Pavel guy, you know, that we're signing hasn't broken through at the Czech, um, you know, international level yet, but he's played at the U21, so I feel like there's some opportunity. I'm still shocked, Sam, that Obi hasn't, you know, made it to the Nigerian national team. But the whole center back now pretty much um, with Murphy, Miazga, Miles, and then Salantano, I mean – at every single position and even some on the bench that you have guys, all international players, uh, which like we mentioned before is good and bad because, you know, we have so many competitions that we're going to be missing some of these guys with their international breaks and whatnot. But um, compared to, you know, 2019 FC Cincinnati, you know, we had maybe one player that was called up and we were pumped about it, but now it's becoming like second nature, you know, we're, we're getting used to that, which is really, really cool. Yeah, it used to just be our Costa Rica guys, Alan Cruz and Kendall Austin. That true. Was it. Yeah. And honestly, that was one person that I thought that uh you well, you you speak of Costa Ricans, but uh Ronald Matarita, you know, is that dude available? He's a left wing back. We had him before. Um, he kind of fizzled out in Ukraine. He's I think in Greece now. Um, would he be an option? I think he's a little bit older, but um, would he want, you know, a lot of money to come back? That's the that's probably the biggest question. Uh, but he's got, you know, at least good standings with the club and how things kind of ended. We found him a new home in Europe, which it seemed like he wanted at the time, um, but then had that really unfortunate ankle injury. Um, so we're kind of rambling on here, but we had a lot to talk about, you know, this episode. Um, Sam, any final thoughts? No, I, I think as the rumors continue to churn, 
uh, so will our our Twitter fingers. So just keep an eye out on you know everything that we're pushing out on, on socials. Um, even you know last week I know we had poked fun at Mbappe possibly becoming an FC Cincinnati player. Um, took that to life um, with a, a tweet that we sent out there. So that was much appreciated for all the love that we got on that. But um, yeah, I, I think as we get closer to the end of January, things are going to start heating up um, as players leave and as players come in. Yeah. That um, deadline is coming up here, you know, very soon, but um, thanks again, everyone for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, hearing from Bobby Edwards, um, hoping to get some other, you know, people from the club here soon to get on and chat with us as well. Um, but we'll see you guys hopefully next week, but if not, you know, we'll see you soon.